1: One semester of law school, one semester of criminal justice, two experts.
2: I'm Kristen Caruso.
1: I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court.
2: On this episode, I'll talk about a phlebotomist. And I'll be talking about the Dartmouth murders. This feels like an After
1: Dark I episode. I know! Should we, <laughs> we tell them some, why? Yes, we had some very potent margaritas in the line.
2: We were upsold margaritas. We were. Okay, so we went. By the way, Norm's here with us. Hello. Hey. Uh, Hey, Norm. Okay, last week Norm was like, I'd like to be your audio engineer. I'd like to sit in. And we were like, yeah, that'd be great. We accept. And he's like, well, not this week. Yeah,
1: I I got stuff to do this week. We were like, uh, (laughs) okay,
2: okay. So anyway, he's here now. We We went to lunch together. All three of us ordered a margarita. And the waiter was like, hey, you know, if you just get a pitcher, it's about the same. It's not, not, the not the same. We're feeling
3: real good. Whew. It was them. the most expensive picture of margarita I have <laughs> I ever say. seen. You sound like the cheapest not man right, of all time. DP. DP. I, I want the viewers to guess.
2: Well, we don't have the viewers. We have listeners.
3: Okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> listener homework. Write down what you think the value of that picture of margaritas what was. What do
1: you think they charged us for that picture of margaritas? Uh, and he told us for, you know... Full disclosure, so you can get an accurate guess. He told us it was the equivalent of five margaritas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Get back to us. Yes. Let please. us know. All Darn. right. I go first. <laughs> and so I, am, I am concerned.
2: I was so relieved when I realized that I was going second because I need time for this to wear off.
1: Woo. Listen, I almost felt we sat on the patio. It was beautiful. It was we great had fun. a delicious Mexican lunch. We obviously had cheese dip. Oh, duh. <laughs> the guy asked us if we wanted cheese dip, and Kristen was like, oh,
3: I don't know. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And Brandy was like, yeah, yeah I can, we'll I can interpret, interpret cheese dip. that. <laughs> when she's like, oh, well, I could possibly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to gather my shit here and okay. start us off with some murders. Oh, boy. <sighs> Let me drink my G zero. That's Gatorade Zero. In case anyone's like, "What the hell is she-? Glacier Freeze?" Is the flavor I'm drinking today? Is that you the just- only
3: flavor they make?
1: No, of Gatorade Zero. Because no. that's the only one I've ever seen. There's okay. I don't know the names of them, but there's yellow, orange, blue, white, and pink. I like the white. I like yellow. Ew, yellow's Ew, the, worst. That's the worst. It's
3: the best. OG that's flavor. That's so funny. That's it's David's lemon lime. favorite
1: too. And like it is. It's lemon the lime. worst flavor of Gatorade. No, it just yes. tastes like salty lemonade. Yeah.
3: And what's wrong with that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds. Here's what it tastes like. It tastes like you had a nice big thing of lemonade, and then a big sweaty dude sat in it. <laughs> that's what lemon Gatorade tastes that like. Is. Promo code LGTC. <laughs>
3: Oh, is it sponsored? Yeah, it was a sponsor? Wow. Wow. sponsor is brought to you
1: by a Gatorade. <laughs> Would you like your lemonade to like a big sweaty dude sat in
3: it? That's the Gatorade we always had uh, on the uh, on the bench in my high school soccer. When moves. you were riding the
1: pine, whatever. I was a starter.
3: I started. <laughs> you sat on the bench. Oh, you know, I got taken out of the games a few times. I can't. I can't run around for <laughs> ninety being minutes too straight. too much for
1: <laughs> They, yeah. You know, when they were like, oh no, we're up yeah. by 500, They're we better like, give somebody else a chance.
3: <laughs> Norm, you're killing them out there. <laughs> get to the bench.
1: All right, let's start this fucking episode. Okay. I'm going to get it together. You don't look like you're getting it together. I don't feel you, like I have it together you have at all. have too much smile got, going on. I can't even control it. It's January 27th. 2001. Kristen, you are trying not to laugh right now. I'm sorry. Well, it's not funny. It's just
0: the margarita.
1: <laughs> We're in Etna, New Hampshire, which is just like kind of an upscale really small like villagey part of New Hampshire. It's what I imagine all of New Hampshire is uh-huh. like. <laughs> <laughs> just trees for days. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. It was about 6:30 p.m. when Roxana Verona, who was a professor at Dartmouth, Arrived for dinner at the home of her friends and fellow Dartmouth professors. Half, it's spelled like half, H A L F. Okay. But it's pronounced Half. It's a German name. Okay. And Suzanne Zantop. When Roxana got to the house, the lights were all on. And she had been told by Suzanne that the front door would be unlocked. And so that was kind of normal, like, come on in when you get here. She was going over for dinner, you know, whatever. She turns the front door, and all of a sudden she realizes that there's no noise coming from inside the house. And she wasn't met with, like, the usual, like, aroma of Suzanne's cooking. She was an amazing cook, um, and she totally expected for, like, dinner to be almost done, ready to go. And so just, like, hit in the face with the smells of this delicious meal. None of that was going on. And so she immediately became anxious as she opened the front door. She called out Suzanne, Holf, I'm here, where are you? No answer. She walked through the living room to the kitchen. There was food on the counter, but nothing had been cooked. It was like in the prep stages still. Suzanne, she called again. Holf? Is anyone here? Nothing. She continued past the kitchen and into the study where she was met with a horrifying scene. Half oh. and Suzanne lay on the floor, clearly dead. There was blood everywhere. She ran from the house, got in her car, and drove to the nearest neighbor's house. Um, and the nearest neighbor happened to be, like, the retired dean of the Dartmouth Medical School. And so he's familiar with his neighbors, and he knows who Roxanna is. Right. And so She's, like, pounding on the door. They're having a party, a birthday party for a family member. So they come, and there's all these people. And she's, like, freak the fuck out. Yeah. And she's, like... Something horrible's happened next door. And so, like, two of the people from the party get in the car and go over to the Zantop's house. And so they get there. They walk in. They see the same thing. Horrible, bloody scene. How
2: many people need to see this before we call the police? I don't know.
1: I think that's an odd choice, that they went over first, and then finally someone called the police. Yeah, yeah. Like, well,
2: let's make sure she's telling the truth (laughs) here. This lady lies about dead bodies all the time, <laughs>
1: right? So the they get over there. They see, holy shit, something horrible's happened. They call the police, and police come out, and they secure the scene. They call backup. There's just crime scene investigators. Everybody descends on this home to try and figure out what the hell has happened here. Yeah, there was no sign of forced entry. The Xantops had clearly been stabbed to death. There was a partial bloody footprint on the floor, like a shoe print. Mm -hmm. But nothing else really looked like it had been touched. There were two things that were found at the scene that did not belong there. And one thing was missing. So on the floor, very clear that they didn't belong there were these two... 12 inch long knife sheaths so like the thing you would store a big hunting knife in right and they had the letters s-o-g which is apparently a brand name like embossed on them and then half's wallet was missing but this is a very nice home Yeah, you could take a ton of stuff, right? There's fancy computer equipment. There's stereo equipment. There's fine silver. There's Suzanne's diamond wedding ring. All of that stuff is still all there. The only thing that is missing is Half's wallet. Immediately, the police are like, What did he teach? Uh, He taught geology and earth science.
2: And she taught? She
1: um, was the uh, faculty chair of the German department, and I believe also taught German.
2: Okay, okay.
1: I mean, I guess we'll find out when we get to that part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm terribly sorry for my many questions. (laughs) No, I love it. Um, So immediately they're like, this is super personal. Stabbing, we've talked about this before, is a super personal crime. You have to be very close to the victim. You are... There's no chance that you won't get your victim's blood on you. Like, it is the most personal way to murder someone.
2: When I think about what I could offer in a crime scene, it would be this I'd be like, this is personal. And then I throw up and leave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not only was it very clear that they had been stabbed, their throats were slit, there were multiple stab wounds. It seemed like a case of overkill. It was. Yeah. They had been stabbed way past when they were dead. In fact, one of their throats had been slit after they were likely already dead because the slit had very little blood coming from it. Oh, so that God. meant that his heart had likely already stopped pumping. I believe that was Half. So his heart had already likely stopped pumping by the time his throat was slit.
2: Good Lord, Brandy.
1: Is that too much detail?
2: I, you know what? I, I acted like you were the one who slit the I throat. I'm sorry. I'm just like,
3: God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I and I actually edited out a bunch of the details did from you this. really yes. oh my god um, and I will say sorry uh, for not saying this already um, a bunch of this comes from an article by did Denise you do all this Snow. research yourself I did not oh, okay. I did not most of this comes from an article by Denise No for the crime library Um, so they're like super personal we have to figure out you know who did this um, the fact that there was no forced entry was like they willingly let someone into their home Mm-hmm. And so they started taking a look into the Xantops, who didn't like them, did they have enemies, Um, what was going on with this family. But by all accounts, the Xantops were well-liked and well-respected by everyone who knew them. Both Hoff and Suzanne were born in Germany, but had actually met in the United States while they were attending Stanford. The couple spent years traveling around the world, advancing their educations. Ultimately, Holf had earned his Ph.D. in geology, and Suzanne earned her master's in political science. They had a couple of daughters who were adults at the time of their murder, um, and they had finally settled in New Hampshire when both had accepted positions at Dartmouth. The Xantops were popular with students. They had a very active social life. They hosted dinner parties all the time. There was no one who stuck out. Stuck out? Stuck out. Stuck out. <laughs> who stuck out as like a possible suspect. Mm. As I mentioned already Holf taught geology and earth science. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. And or Suzanne was the faculty chair of the German department. By 2001, Holf was 63. Suzanne was 56. They had spent years together, as I mentioned, traveling the world. And they, too, were beginning to talk about retirement. And they would never get there. Oh, that's
2: so sad. Oh,
1: Yeah. The entire community at Dartmouth, staff and students alike, mourned the loss of these two professors. But at the same time, there was this fear and that spread. And suspicion? Well, yeah, suspicion. Who could have done this? Because it seemed like it was likely that the murderer of course. or murderers of course, was somebody. Was in the somebody community. amongst them. Absolutely. Yeah. So from the beginning, investigators were pretty sure that two people were involved with this because two. Knife sheaths were found at the scene. That is hard to say, especially when you've had margaritas. <laughs> so, of course, the police initially focused on someone who knew the Xantops well and who was the first to discover the bodies. Poor Roxana, who had just oh, come gosh. to have dinner with her friends. Yeah. They cleared her like immediately. Yeah. And so. Then they started looking into who else? There was a couple of suspects that came up. Um, There was this weird guy who was like a cook at a restaurant or a custodian at a restaurant like on the school campus. Mm -hmm. And he was super odd. And he started making these weird Internet posts about the murders and how um, he he suspected that it was likely a suicide or you know they each murdered each other. weren't two at knives, fa- yeah, time. weren't two knives found at the scene, and all of this stuff. Okay, yeah, that is super weird. It's super weird. And so they looked into him, but he had an alibi. He was in like South Dakota at the time of the murder. So well, okay, wasn't him. Um, and so they interviewed Holf's teaching assistant.
2: Um, sir, can you turn your phone off?
1: Wow. Sorry, it's my first day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> So they interviewed Holf's teaching assistant. His name was Tom, and he thought that he might know someone who could have had an opportunity or a motive to off the Am, I, am I crazy?
2: I'm thinking, who did these people give Fs to? Oh,
1: yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Because
2: this is, I mean, that's Ivy League, right? Yeah, it's so Ivy I'm League.
1: It's, yes, it's an Ivy League university. There's
2: got to be some crazy weird. Probably.
1: I mean, that's actually a really good point. I had not considered that. Well,
2: obviously, that means that that's not the person who did it.
1: (laughs) Maybe it is, and maybe they don't know their motive. No. Yeah, it's not it. (laughs) (laughs) So, this teaching assistant, Tom Douglas, was like, "Uh, there's this professor who really wanted, he had, like, earned his master's degree and thought that he should have Hoff's position, and, like, the only way he was going to get that is if... Holf didn't have it anymore. Oh, and God. so they start looking into that guy, and they they tr- look into his activity on the day the Zantops were murdered, and it turns out that he was in Hanover, which is near where the. Zantops lived, I guess, and they oh, found god. a rental car that he had been he had had that day while he was in Hanover, and in that rental car they found a large cardboard box that had this suspicious reddish-brown stain on it. They were no. like, "Oh, there might be something to this." It's a rival professor who just wanted Halfs job.
2: I mean, tenure is very competitive.
1: Absolutely.
2: Oh my god.
1: So they start looking into it. And this guy, I guess, like lived in Arizona, but he really wanted a job at Dartmouth. and okay. like the only position he that was gonna be available for him was Hulfs. And so they actually go to Arizona, they take this guy's fingerprints, they interview him. his name gets leaked. And the Boston Globe runs this front page story about how they be- that investigators believe that he, Oh. Is the one who killed him? That there—it's likely a crime of passion. That he was likely having an affair with Suzanne. They post—they print a story about this on the oh. front page of the newspaper, and then it comes out that there's no way any of that was true. Oh my god! And the—they had to run a front page retraction. Whoa! Yes. Yeah, so the following day. They run they run a retraction that says the extramarital affair theory is not correct. And they apologized for their earlier article and they said it was certainly never our intent to increase the suffering of the Xantop family, their friends, or the Dartmouth college community.
2: Did they have a source for that? I don't story?
1: know. I don't know.
2: Cause I feel like I feel like you wouldn't print a retraction if you had a good source yeah, for it. Yeah. I mean, you'd only print a retraction mm-hmm. if somebody had, like, yeah, made some leaps, right? I, That's yeah. shitty. Yeah, That's super really shitty. shitty.
1: So then that same day in that same newspaper where they print the retraction, mm-hmm. they also printed uh, in the, like, the letters to the editor section, they printed a letter from a close friend of the Xantops. And this letter said... My wife and I have shared a close friendship and close quarters in small sailboats with Suzanne and Hoff Zantop for more than 15 years. Never in the intimate confines of our time and space together did any inkling surface of a relationship that might motivate crimes of passion. The speculation about an adulterous love affair is irresponsible sensationalism on the part of the globe. Wow. Yeah. So people were, like, pissed that this got printed. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And so, meanwhile, investigators are looking into this guy, this prime suspect, whose Uh name has just been printed in the newspaper. They're looking into that reddish-brown stain. Was it nothing? It was moose stew. Ew. What the? It was stew made from moose. (laughs) Oh, gross.
2: It was stew. It was just stew. Well, that moose stew sounds like it should be a crime. <laughs> <laughs> that is disgusting.
3: I would try moose.
2: i eat moose. I would try it. Well, I mean, yeah, you'd try it, but would you <sighs> want it in a
1: cardboard
3: box in your <laughs> trunk of your car? That, that would not be the ideal no, way for me no, to No, what me. probably
1: happened is he had he was transporting some moose stew. He was invited to a party. He was like, I know what I'll, I'll make. I'll mousse make moose stew. stew. No, he was transporting moose stew. It sloshed because he probably didn't have a lid on it properly. Okay, calm down. He probably brought it in his brand new car.
3: <laughs> oh, he's one of these people.
1: <laughs> Norman, do you have
2: something you'd like to say to the listeners?
3: Yeah, I do, actually. Okay.
1: <laughs> when you... You guys, Norman is heated about this. Yes. Kristen is guilty. You should, you should see of the him.
3: following. Kristen has a habit of bringing into a vehicle just like a cup of drink. I
1: like no, to stay no hydrated. No lid on it. Just I'm like sorry. you
3: know, like Assuming. a cup you would drink in your house. A, a
1: glass, like a most glass. Most of the time,
3: a glass of like tea or coffee into a vehicle, no lid or at all. So, of like if I slam on the brakes or I make a sharp turn, S-
1: that stuff's right gonna out. slosh a lid. everywhere
3: so we we finally decided to get a a better vehicle.
1: they upgraded we
3: upgraded from they got our, an
1: o six Prius <laughs>
3: <laughs> We upgraded from like our,
1: new condition we went from an o
2: five <laughs> to a sixteen vehicle, which is like light years yes
3: yeah. like even basic stuff like wow, this has a It has a tire pressure monitor. I can't, (laughs) this is new technology. Yeah,
2: like the people at the dealership didn't even know what they needed to tell us because we're so out of date with what's standard in a new car. So we
3: have this nice, shiny new vehicle and Kristen and I are going to go, where were we going that day?
2: To the furniture store.
3: Yeah, we were going to the furniture store and Kristen gets in the car with, I kid you not, (laughs) a banana. Moose stew. A granola bar. And a glass of tea.
2: (laughs) I don't think this is that. So, so Norm loses his mind. No, no, that's not what happened. He starts making faces. (laughs) And I was like, is everything okay? And he's like, everything's fine. (laughs) But it's a long drive to this furniture store.
3: It's like 30 minutes.
2: And so, I was like, Norman, I know something's wrong. What is wrong?
3: (laughs) I said... I <laughs> I was I'm I'm annoyed that you brought a uh, just the banana, right?
2: Yeah, you started off, off with the banana because
3: I I, I'm annoyed you you brought a banana into the car. But I and she like she ate the banana and she put the banana peel in our cup holder.
2: Kristen, where else was I supposed to put it? Not in the car at all. <laughs> was I supposed to throw it out into the road like I'm in Mario Kart? Like what was I supposed to it do? You could. It's
3: biodegradable. It is biodegradable.
2: So he tells me that, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Since so then, I pull out my granola bar. <laughs> and
3: then she pulls out the granola bar.
2: And he's so mad. <laughs> I was like,
1: well, Is it a crunchy granola bar? Yes,
3: the-, the crumbly, crunchy ones. It's not a soft, chewy one.
1: Christian, just it's- granola <laughs> everywhere. And by the
3: way, it's a peanut butter one, so it's smeared with peanut butter all over it.
1: Fucking crumbs everywhere. Haven't you seen that meme? No. Where they like do up the packaging and they change the name, and it's just like granola bar, fucking crumbs everywhere. <laughs> anyway. I ate
2: it and my darling husband looked like he wanted to murder someone. I wasn't sure who. So I was like, what's wrong? Nothing. Norman. What is wrong? I know something's wrong. Norman, you want to take it away? Oh, he looks so mad right now.
3: I finally I exploded.
1: you I waited like, a million years to get this fancy car, <laughs> and then you bring... We waited
3: a decade to get this... Yeah, literally
1: this, a decade. We yeah. waited a decade
3: to get a new car. We had an appointment at the furniture store, so we knew what time we had to be there.
1: You could have eaten before you got I, in
3: the car. I did eat before I got in the car. Kristen chose not to.
1: <laughs> Kristen still <laughs> does not see the error of her ways. She a see banana, not A crunchy, she crumbly
3: granola bar, and then a glass of tea into the car and that is why i was annoyed
1: well so then chris trying to tell this story to me like i wanted my long-term friend to back me up but the last time you got your hair done (laughs) you came into my salon with a glass of tea and i was like what the fuck are you doing where's your travel mug and you're like i like this
3: (laughs) just confirm in our kitchen we do have glasses Uh. with lids that you could use
1: I don't know what you expected me to, like, you really expected me to be on the opposite side of Norm. Honest to God, I thought he overreacted so badly. I was like,
2: I'm going to wait for my long term friend to show up. I start telling you the story, and lo and behold, you and Norm are one and the same. I should have never told you, I should have kept it all to myself. Anyway, I'll put a lid on it, folks. Yeah, just get a travel beverage container. I'm going to, for your
3: birthday, I'm going to buy you the nicest travel mug.
2: That's the that worst ever present existing. ever because I clearly don't like travel <laughs> mugs. <much. laughs> <laughs> Maybe
1: for Norm's birthday, he's going to buy you travel <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from, really yeah it'll, be,
3: it it'll be for my birthday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: Back, back to, the, to the back to the moose stew.
1: Back, back to the, the antops. Yeah. So this poor guy is completely cleared. It's moose stew <laughs> on this cardboard box. Oh, my point was that he used that box to transfer. This is my theory. Uh-huh. He used that box to transport stew at one time. Yeah. Got a little stew on the box and was like perfectly good box. I'm still gonna use it. There was no stew he sounds like in me. the box. Yeah. Exactly. He was just like, nah, there's a little stew on there. I'll still use it. So yeah, was not blood. What had nothing to do with these the murder of these two professors. Meanwhile, his name and everything has been out there in the press. Horrible. Yeah, that's really, really yeah. awful. So he's cleared. Investigators are kind of back to the beginning. So they start trying to track down the bit of evidence that they do have. They have a couple of fingerprints. They have that bloody footprint. And they have those sheaths from the knives. And so they start looking into that. And they put together a list of of retailers in the Vermont, New Hampshire area that sold these. The list is so fucking long. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to narrow it down. They're trying to narrow it down. Well, they find out that this particular sheath, like they, the knife manufacturer changed the sheath, like, after like in the beginning of 2000. So this is the latest model sheath. And so they're able to eliminate a bunch of retailers based on that. okay? And so they find a retailer who remembers selling two knives to one person. That's the thing. There were no sales of two knives at the same time. Whoa. And so they, fi- they find this retailer, Fox Firearms in some place in Massachusetts. I mean, Say those fucking Massachusetts do it. sounds. I, do it. I dare you. Skidaway. Skidaway, Massachusetts. <laughs> How did you spell uh, it? Give us the spelling. S C I T
2: U A T E. I have no idea.
3: Hold, please. Okay. Situate.
1: Okay,
2: Massachusetts. Is
1: Come insane. on, Massachusetts! <laughs> Situate? Okay, Situate. so they tracked down, um, it's, it's February by now, by okay. the way. So they tracked down um, this retailer in Situate, Massachusetts called Fox Firearms. And he has sold, in that time period, he sold like 84 of these knives, but only one pair. And he remembers when he sold it, and he sold it to this kid, James Parker who went by Jim. So they tracked down Jim, and he lives in Chelsea, Vermont, which is like 30 miles from Aetna. Um, New Hampshire, Vermont, small states right next to each other. All of that shit in New England is just kind of mashed together. You can get from one state to the next real quick. This kid, Jim Parker, lives just like 30 miles away from Aetna where the murders happened um, in Chelsea, Vermont, which is a super small town, like 1,200 people, everybody knows everybody kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, And so the police that are investigating this murder in New Hampshire, they head off to Chelsea the next day. And they first meet up with the Chelsea Police Department. And they're like, tell us everything you know about Jim Parker. And they're like, we don't know anything about him. He's never been in any kind of trouble. He's a 16-year-old kid. 16? 16. No kind of record. He's never been a troublemaker. What? Nothing. Yeah. And so... They bring him in and they interview him. And he said, Yeah, yeah, I bought those I bought those knives for me and my best friend Rob. Rob Robert Tullock, who was 17, but he went by Rob, so Jim and Rob. I don't know why I'm thinking that's gonna be confusing for people. Wait, Robert? <laughs> we go by, by Rob! That's weird. <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard of it? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I bought those knives for me and Rob. We um, We're going to use them to build forts, but turns out they were like way heavier than we thought that they would be. And they're just not feasible to be, you know, like climbing through the woods and building forts with them. And so so I decided to murder two people. So I just sold them to some, some stranger. I don't have them anymore. Who, who did you sell them to? I don't don't remember. Just some guy. Mm. And so they're like, okay, yeah, no problem that makes sense and so they bring in rob and they talk to him he tells the exact same story they did learn that right around the time of the murders rob had shown up at school with like this giant cut in his leg kind of like right above his knee but don't worry he had a perfectly reasonable explanation for that oh my god it is the most vermont explanation you've ever heard in your life are you ready Something to do with maple syrup. Yes. What? What was his? Expl- oh my he god! Was just walking through the woods looking for a place to build a fort. They're very into fort building. He slipped on a rock and he tripped up an embankment or down an embankment. Not real sure. And he fell into an old metal maple syrup tap and cut his leg open. <sighs> That isn't just the most Vermont thing you've ever heard. Or the most murdery thing. (laughs) Oh, no, Crystal, these are good, good boys. They don't have the knives anymore. They sold them to a scary stranger (sighs) who they can't describe. No, he was, you know, kind of tall, wore t t shirts sometimes. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
3: uh-huh.
2: Excellent Okay, reference. so it's Vermont. Yeah. What time of year is this again? Winter? Uh-huh. How did people know at school
1: that he had a cut above his knee? I don't know. That's a great question. I'm sure he was like telling everybody, oh, look at this cut I got on this old maple syrup tip. More like,
2: I murdered two people. I'm super proud of it. So I'm going to wear something fucking crazy like shorts mm. in January in wintertime.
1: I don't know. I guess we'll find out.
2: He's like the kid who gets the tattoo. And then he's like, ugh, see? Does oh, everyone see? Like Norm, at that, like Norm yeah. at that dinner when like, I first met him? Norm, when you yeah. first met him.
1: Uh, he was always scratching his arm to yeah, show up his tattoo.
3: I want to impress Brandy so bad.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know what'll, what'll work. I'll scratch my tattoo. I'll scratch my tattoo!
2: <laughs> you know what's funny to me? Like, So you posted a picture on Twitter the other day. And your tattoo was visible. And there are some people who are like, "Whoa, the gaming historian! Look tat- how badass you are!" Oh my are. god, I had no idea.
3: If only they knew how not badass.
2: <laughs> I think
1: they do know, I and that's they why they're surprised know. by the tattoo. <laughs> are you claiming that he's not a badass? A tattoo it's does absolutely. not equal
3: badass. You're
1: I've studied people him. with
3: tattoos that are. Not I don't know. Have uh, you
1: seen my Sweet Mary puppet? <laughs> i'm so badass with my mary poppins tattoo
3: <laughs> don't mess with brandy you
1: two
2: you're the only two in this room with tattoos uh-huh. and yet you're the biggest sticklers about crunchy granola bars i can tell you for sure you two are not, not the biggest badass ass. <laughs> what you got into a a moving vehicle with a beverage without a lid no no no, no 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 not
3: just a moving vehicle
2: what a it fancy was new a new Vehicle, you're only proving my point about how you're upset. You're you're just sloshing your tea all around. Okay, this wasn't like (laughs) some Disney movie where the you know what I'm saying. Like, there's always that. As your
3: audio engineer,
2: what? Let's
3: get back to the story.
1: Oh wow! Whoa! Oh, You're also quality control. (laughs) I am. (laughs) I'm giving
3: myself that role.
1: So the police are looking into Jim and Rob, and they're like. There's no way these kids did this, and so just to clear them, they ask for their fingerprints. They agree. They give fingerprints. Um, Rob owns a pair of boots, and so he gives the boots to the investigators. To and all of this is just to rule them out and they're as like, suspects. by the way, could you give us half's wallet back? <laughs> <laughs> and Rob just like, to oh, clear yeah, you yeah, hold on, I got it. I'll be right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so they're like, hey guys, thank you so much for being so cooperative we're just gonna take all this stuff just to eliminate you guys as suspects and the parents are super cooperative too they're like sure of course absolutely whatever you need meanwhile the police go back and they're like these boys these these good boys there's no way the next morning rob and jim are gone what they're missing they're in canada they're missing. One of them leaves a note at home that tells their parents not to call the police. And so their oh, parents God. immediately call the police. Yes. And, call the police. Yeah. and so they immediately call the police and the police are like, yeah, the fingerprints came back as a match. They were at the fucking crime scene. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Fingerprints are a match. Bootprint is a match. It was Rob and Jim. 16 and 17 year old Rob and Jim. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. But they've, they've skipped town. So they search their houses. They find the knives in a cardboard box in Rob's room, along with Hulf's empty, uh, wallet. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. Sixteen and seventeen year old kid. This I bet
3: is... they went to Canada.
1: So they, they take off for the West Coast. They did not head to Canada. Canada's West. so much closer. Yeah, In the West Coast. No, they from they, Vermont. It's they like they're drive. Dumb kids. They drive their car to Jersey, and then they decide that they need to ditch the car because it's like an Audi, and they feel like they're going to be seen, and so they start. They decide they're going to hitchhike. That word would not come to me. Can you describe what you just, uh, I just, just gave I just gave Kristen a thumbs up. Yeah,
3: Brandy just slowly <laughs> extended her arm with her thumbs up. Which I up. took
1: as a compliment and as a hint. <laughs> so, <laughs> as a,
3: a hint. So,
1: they said they're going to hitchhike to California. And I don't know, do what the fuck when they're in California. Oh, good, because there are no laws in California. That's brilliant. It's nuts. So they get picked up by a truck driver and they tell him some sob story about how they're just trying to, you know, they got rough lives and they're just trying to make it to the West Coast. And he puts a call out on the CB radio for anybody. He's only making it as far as, and he's only going as far as Indiana. And so he puts out a call on his CB radio, anybody who could pick them up in Indiana and take them, the rest of the way so some sheriff in indiana is listening uh-huh. and hears this and he's like two kids that got picked up uh-uh something's up with that and so he immediately responds like he's a truck driver and he's like absolutely i'll pick them up in indiana i'll get them, you know this far yeah. or whatever oh, and good so he for that arranges guy. it with this truck driver for him to leave them at the flying j in indiana and then all of a sudden All these police swarm up, and they take Jim and Rob into custody. That is, They don't even know at this point what they're wanted for, but he's sure they're wanted for something. That's amazing. Yes. I love it. It's
3: just like the Brady Bunch movie.
1: What? Oh, Jan? Remember
3: when Jan runs away? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they pull out a call on the CB radio.
1: So when this truck driver drops, this truck driver is like... Tells the boys this story about how he feels really sorry for them because he's got three kids of his own, one who died and two that are, I don't know, still trying to make it in this world. And so he drops them off at the Flying J and he gives them $10 to buy themselves breakfast. And then the police, like the police swarm in. And so he's like, what the hell is going on? And they tell him, you know, that they by this time they figured out that they're wanted for murder. He's pissed he he asked for his ten dollars back back.
3: (laughs) good for him he
1: asked for his ten dollars back and he's
2: so pissed you're not getting a breakfast sandwich on me buddy no
1: and he ends up losing his job because he picked up hitchhikers
3: oh
2: he gets
1: fired over it oh it's no good yeah but he said i have no regrets everything seems so set up for them to be captured here Maybe it's the way it was supposed to happen. I actually feel lucky. You know, yeah. Yeah. So he's not bitter about losing his job over it. He felt like he played a part in making sure that they got captured. He did. He did. He absolutely did. He absolutely did.
3: He'll find another job as a truck driver. Yeah. I see those trucks all the time with the sign on the back. There's like, do you want a career? You can be your own boss. Oh, yeah.
2: Or Beachbody. I mean, you can also be your (laughs) own boss there. Or...
3: Yeah, Herbalife,
2: Amway, <laughs>
3: <laughs> all kinds. Brandy, of stuff. you seen
2: this? You heard about this? <laughs> hey, hun, I know we haven't talked in fifteen years.
3: <laughs> you know, there's truck drivers becoming beach body consultants. A...
1: <laughs> that's the new. <laughs> that's, that's a new, new career path. That's exactly right. Okay, so they're arrested. We'll get back to that in a minute. But at this point. This is where the article from Crime Library kind of pisses me off. Okay, and you know I love my Crime Library. You're obsessed stories. with Crime Library. I love it. Okay, but they, they did that thing. Off? No, they did that thing that you hate that 2020 does. Oh, it was a perfect life. Well, yeah, everything, everything was perfect. It goes on to talk about how no one thought that these two teenagers could be responsible for such Bullshit. horrific crimes because they were good boys from, and I'm quoting directly here, intact families. Oh, oh,
2: so let's unpack that. Yeah, Murderers only come from divorced families. That's correct. So the fact that these were intact, In- intact families. families means yeah. that they were inherently good. Yeah.
3: They just, just, they just meant their, their whole body was intact. They, weren't, <laughs> they didn't have like prosthetics or
2: anything. You know another one I hate? Hmm. Good all American kid. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen a black kid described that <laughs> no, way? No, good all American not. kid. No, absolutely that's not. that's
1: white and blonde. So that they talk about this, how good these kids are and blah blah blah. And then it goes on about how Rob was like this giant asshole who thought he was better than everyone else, thought he was smarter than everyone else. Yeah. Like he wrote this whole essay in school <laughs> about how he was a superior human being. God. Yeah, but they lead into this in this article about how no one could believe it could be yeah. these two wholesome boys. Oh wait. <laughs> Turns out they thought they were better than everybody. It also goes into this whole story about how Rob from the time that he was like in middle school wanted to be the president of the United States mm-hmm. when he grew up. And so he decided to start small and in 1999 start when he was small, with, yeah. don't just jump no. for it. Wait so, yeah. till you're 35. So in 1999, he ran for Stuco president. And he ended up winning, which was actually, like, a really big deal because it was, like, this big upset and whatever. Only then once he won it, he didn't actually want the position. He would show up late to meetings or not at all. And it was so bad that the student council actually attempted to impeach him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hmm. Imagine that. Someone who runs for president but (laughs) doesn't doesn't actually actually want want the the job. job. Can't imagine it. I
1: can't picture that. It could
2: only happen in a stucco situation, <laughs>
1: That's right? So, I call bullshit on this. Nobody yeah. could believe that it could possibly people ever could believe be it. I believe. Yes,
2: a million people were bullied by these guys, and they were like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah, could have told I'm you." I'm pretty
1: sure it was these two guys. Yeah. So they're arrested. They're taken in and fingerprinted and photographed there in Indiana. And then they're held there until they're able to be, you know, transported back to New Hampshire. And reportedly, Rob, who was kind of the ringleader, he's the older of the two, Mm -hmm. definitely seems to be the one who's in charge. He cried unconsolably for hours after his arrest. And he just, like, sat there, um, like, with his head in his hands. And he just kept saying, I'm so sorry, Jim. I'm so sorry, Jim. I'm so sorry. And... Jim kind of managed to hold it together the whole time. Hey, when one falls apart, the other one has to hold it together. Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) just the
2: way it goes. Exactly. The future president of the United States is crying on your arm. You got to keep it together. Yeah.
1: So they're arrested. They're brought back to New Hampshire. They're charged with the murders. And in November of 2001, the court ruled that Jim Parker, who was 16, um, and I believe that Rob was had was 18 by this time, even okay. though he was 17 at the time that the crime took place. I believe he turned 18 by Despite now. Despite all that, he had a birthday? Yes, <laughs> he did. He had a birthday at some point. So they decide that they're going to try Jim as an adult and then Rob will be an adult. He'll be tried as an adult as well, but because he's actually an adult. Right. So this meant that Jim could face life in prison without the possibility of parole. So a first degree murder charge uh, with... Um, extenuating circumstances carried a mandatory life without the possibility of parole sentence. So since he's being tried as an adult, that's what he's facing. Wow. And so he decides to take a plea deal. He agrees to testify against Rob in exchange for being allowed to plead guilty as an accessory to second degree murder only in the killing of Suzanne not in the killing of HALF. So he doesn't have to plead to that at all. Um, But as part of the agreement, he has to tell them exactly what happened. Yeah,
2: I am dying for the
1: motive here. Oh, you're going to hate it.
2: May I tell you what I would hate? Yeah. We just want to kill somebody. Oh, they've got a door open. Let's go in and kill somebody. Is that the motive? Kind of. It's part of it. Okay.
1: Yeah. So with this plea deal, he would be sentenced to 25 years to life and he would be eligible to apply for parole after 16 years. Hmm. So he agrees to all of this. But before that plea deal is made public, Rob's defense team says that he's going to plead not guilty by reason of insanity he is suffering from a serious mental illness and that his acts were a direct result of the mental defect or disease. Okay. So in December of 2001, um, Jim went before a judge to formalize the plea deal. Um, And it was kind of a weird, there was like a weird interaction between him and the judge. The judge was asking him if he was, if he understood what he was pleading to, if he understood the charges brought against him, if he was under the influence of any um, drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And like, he reacted to that very weirdly. He thought that the judge was asking him like, if he'd ever done (laughs) drugs or alcohol. And he said, Never, like he, it was like he was super proud of it. <laughs> the fact that he'd never done, done drugs or alcohol, and then just like, oh all right, okay. calm down. Okay, <laughs> these are standard questions. Yeah. yeah, good lord. Um, so then he was asked how he pled, and he pled guilty, and then he, um, had to tell exactly what happened that day. So he talked about how. what the motive was. He and Rob were done with this life. They both had the grades to go on to college, but that was not what they wanted. It was too confining. They wanted to travel the world. They wanted to see it all. They talked about going to Europe or New Zealand, but ultimately they'd settled on Australia. That's where they were going to go start their new lives. They thought that they Would like Australia because it had a, quote, varied natural environment and good places for rock climbing. Okay, so far, I'm with you. And they thought that they might be able to support themselves there as hired assassins. What? Or perhaps they could just live off the land, one or the other.
2: They were (laughs) such dumb teenage
1: boys. And so they thought that they would need $10,000 To get them to Australia and then get them set up to start a life there. To start their assassin business. Assassin business. business. And they thought they'd find this all in one man's wallet? Nope. Nope. Okay. So they needed to make $10,000. And so they came up with some ideas of how to do that. Initially, um, they thought that they would steal credit card numbers from people's mailboxes, like go through people's mail, get their credit card information, and be able to steal money that way. Only even when they were able to find credit card numbers, they couldn't figure out a way to use them because they didn't have all of the information. <laughs> and so they're like, well, damn it, that's not work- going to work. And so then at one point they stole an ATV and they like took the, like took rubbed the serial number off of it and then they listed it for sale for three thousand dollars, and some guy came and looked at it, and he was like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'll buy it. Um, I'll just, I'll take the title." please. Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh, the what now?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had
1: to have a, a, t- a title, you say, huh? I thought this was more of a Barbie Jeep <laughs> yeah. situation. And they, he was like, you don't have a title for it? And they were like, no. And so he's like, yeah, not interested in the deal then. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were like, damn it. And so then they were like, well, obviously the next, the next obvious way for us to make this $10,000 is we're going to have to, we're going to have to rob people. So their plan was to break into people's homes. Did it ever occur to them to get jobs? No. (laughs) That would take so long, Kristen. (laughs) No, their plan was to break into people's homes, Mm -hmm. tie them up, get their PIN numbers from them. And then once they had the PIN numbers, they would kill them. Great. And then they'd go rob them. Take all of the money out of their accounts. Like two hundred dollars at a time, I guess, because why, essentially why that's kill them, all you though. can get. Why kill them? If they've if, seen them,
3: if they're tied up, I mean, just put on a mask. No, 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 they have to kill them. If they're tied up, you get their pin number. You no, can I mean, withdraw.
1: These guys
2: are going to be trained and hired. Exactly, assassins. it's
1: it's good training for their assassin business they're about to start. They're gonna have to form an LLC if they want to be a hard. <laughs> assassins are us LLC yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we kill for you
2: have LLC. you ever
1: thought about killing someone no, no <laughs> thank you no like what you would do because I think
2: about this this gives me like flashbacks to BTK yeah someone comes into your home they tie you up yeah if someone tied you up and then asked for your ATM number what do you think you would
1: do well I don't know I. what would you do I have no idea what I would do
3: you'd I'd probably th- give it to them
1: yeah probably I mean Unless I think they're going to kill me
2: anyway, like... That's, that's what I always wonder, and I feel like, you know, somebody would punch me in the face and I'd fold completely.
1: Have you seen the movie The Ref? No. Okay, so it's a Christmas movie. It's really funny. It's, um... Oh, hell. Now I have to look up who's in it.
2: The Ref? No one's even heard of yes, this. Yes, they have.
1: It's like my mom's favorite movie. Well, that doesn't mean people have heard of it. <laughs> it's Dennis Leary... Okay, Dennis Leary, Judy Davis, uh, and Kevin Spacey. Okay. Okay. So Dennis Leary is a burglar. He breaks into a house. He ties up the husband and wife. But they fight with each other so much that they drive him fucking crazy. (laughs) Okay. It's funny. Anyway. Uh, uh, Apparently in some countries it's called hostile hostages (laughs) instead of the ref. Wait, is that the end of the story? Oh, I am just talking about an instance of what might happen. Like uh, you asked what would happen if somebody broke in and tied me up. I'm just asking, yeah, what you would do. You I don't think, know what I would do, Kristen. Okay. I'd probably give them my PIN number, and then they'd murder me anyway. Well, yeah, and then they'd have s- all $12 from my bank <laughs> account. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like I
2: feel like you'd have to not tell them that information, because then what reason do they have to keep you alive?
1: No, I'd probably ask them if they needed a drink and if everything was Okay. <laughs> what I did when the guy broke into my garage. You Are didn't offer him, him a drink. I didn't, but I asked if I could help him. <laughs> <laughs> Have you told that story? I think so. I okay. think I've told totally Yeah, help me carry it. out this TV. Hey, uh, can I help
2: you? <laughs> yeah, guys. A man broke into Brandy's home a couple years ago. In my
1: garage. He didn't make it into oh, my home. is that not
2: attached to your it home? It is attached <laughs> to my Okay, home. so you went out to the garage. You saw this stranger standing there, and you said, hello, sir. May I help you? <laughs> <laughs> he did.
3: Yeah, but you had you had like a tone to it. You didn't. Just, you were you weren't like, "Hi, can I help you?" No, you were I was like, uh, "Can I, I help, help you? you?" Big difference.
2: And he was like, uh, "Whoopsies, um, wrong boss."
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what he did. So they come up with this plan that they're going to break into people's homes, um, or get people to let them in willingly somehow. Okay, um, by asking them to use the phone or something like that. And then they'll tie them up, they'll get their PIN numbers, and then they'll kill them. Great practice for their new assassin business. Right. They'll have their $10,000 that they need to start this new life in no time. Perfect plan. Only, they try to do it, and, like, the first time, like, they show up to this house in December, and vermont this big house they drive up to it in their in jim's mother's car okay and they knock on the door and the man answered and they said that they needed to ask him some questions for a school project would he mind answering them and he said no i'm tarring my pool (laughs) which why is he tarring his pool in december is my first question
2: well because you can't well yeah it would probably be filled with snow right i would
1: think so and it seems like too weird a lie. I know. It's a okay. weird answer. Okay. Like, is it the equivalent of like, no, I have to wash my hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, no, I'm tarring my pool. I can't be bothered right now. And so they're like, okay, thanks. They were like, oh, shoot, we didn't prepare <laughs> we for that. We didn't prepare for a No. And so they leave and they don't try again until late January. It's January 27th. Okay. So they, it's January 27th, 2001. They arrive at this big home in Aetna, New Hampshire. They have a backpack that's got some notebooks in it so they can pretend to fill out questions Uh about this survey that they're going to ask about. It's got duct tape. It's got zip ties. It's got the two big knives in it. Um, They're going to go to the door. They're going to get themselves in there and then they're going to kill these people once they get their PIN numbers. They knock on the door. Holf Santop answers the door. Rob tells him that they're students taking an environmental survey for a class project. Holf is a geologist.
2: Yes. Oh. And
1: teaches earth science. So
2: he was excited. So he's like,
1: anything to help a student. And he's like, hold on.
2: Oh, God.
1: my wife's inside cooking. We've got people coming over. Let me see if I have time to do this real quick. So he goes inside. He oh. comes back. Um, and he's like, absolutely. Anything to help a student. Come on in. He brings the two boys into this his study. This is awful. It's horrible. He brings the two boys into the study. They, one of them pulls out the, Rob pulls out the notebook and realizes that he doesn't have a pen. They haven't rehearsed a story at all. Uh, things are kind of falling apart a little bit. He tries to pull it back together and starts. Asking questions. He can hear Suzanne in the kitchen. The kitchen is just out, like outside mm-hmm. the study. Mm-hmm. She's in there, you know, chopping food up, getting ready for this dinner party that she's having. Meanwhile, Jim, when he's recounting all this, because remember, he's recounting all of this in court. And he says, at this point, he thought, this guy just wants to help us. Like, we don't need to kill this guy. Yeah. But. Oh, my God. Something happens that sets Rob off remember Rob thinks that he's smarter than everyone he's a superior human being and here's this geology professor Mm -hmm. and so he asks a question and then he he doesn't really know where to go with it and Half says you know you really need to be more prepared if you're going to do this kind of thing Mm. and so Rob is set off by that. He's pissed that this guy would question his intelligence, question his preparedness. And so Half says that he's got a friend that can help them with this survey. And so he turns towards his desk to get a phone number, like, out of his Rolodex. And while he's turned around, uh, Rob opens up the backpack, pulls out a knife, hands a knife to Jim. And when, when Holf turns back around, Rob's got the knife out. He's pulled the sheath off and he lunges at Holf and stabs him directly in the chest. Oh. Holf falls out of his chair. He's like sitting at his desk. He falls out of his chair and Rob just continues stabbing him. Holf is screaming. Oh my God. Suzanne runs into the room. Of course she does. Um And she is obviously freaking out. Rob looks up and yells at Jim and says slit her throat. <gasps> And so Jim grabs his knife, shit. grabs Suzanne, and slits her throat, and oh. she dies.
2: Well, sure, immediately. Almost immediately. Yeah. Holy shit!
1: Yeah. At that point, this
2: is the saddest thing. I mean, oh yeah, just two professors. He, he invited the them into
1: their home because, like, they had the perfect ruse for him. Like, they didn't even know that. They just, like, lucked into it, that this is, like, a professor. This is a sweet old man yes. who wants to teach people. Uh-huh. And they're like, hey, can you help us with a school project? Ugh. Yeah. Rob just, he, at this point, Rob slits Holf's throat. I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. And yeah. he's already dead. Um, and, but it doesn't matter. To rob. He just keeps he wants to see what his knife is capable of. So he sees if he can if it will stab oh. through his skull. Oh, God. and it does. Finally, they're like, we got to get out of here. And they take half's wallet. That's all that they take from the scene. And they leave. Yeah. They get in the car, they stow the bloody knives under the floor mat of the car, and they take off. They had prepared, to some degree, they had gone to some rural property and pre-dug graves that they had intended to take the bodies to. Oh, God. They didn't do that, but they did drive there and clean off, because they were covered in blood. Of course. They used the snow on the ground to clean the blood off of themselves and off of their weapons, And it was at that point that um, Rob realized that in his crazy stabbing that he had actually stabbed himself in the leg. He had a Mm -hmm. giant wound on Mm -hmm. his leg where he had stabbed into his own leg. Yeah. And so he cleans that off. They empty out the wallet and realize that they never got the PIN number. So everything in it is useless. Whoops. Except for the $340 in cash. That's all they got. Jim said in court at this time that he thought, this is not the way I want to make my money, killing people. And it wasn't even that he was feeling remorse. It was that he felt like it wasn't worth it for the amount of money that they got out of it. Good Lord. Yeah.
2: Oh, this is so upsetting.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, they ended up, they go back home. They realize on the way home that they have left the sheaths to the knives at the Zantop house. And so they decide they're going to circle back by, run in and get those, and then go. But when they circle back by the Zantop house, there are police in the driveway. Mm. And so they just take off and left it. Yeah. And a couple weeks went by, and then they were ID'd, and that's when they took off. And so Jim has pled guilty, and he has agreed to testify against Rob. And then in March of 2002, just as Rob's about to go to trial and present his insanity defense, all of a sudden, he drops it, and he pleads guilty. No deal, nothing. Nothing. One article that I read said that he's the first person in New Hampshire history to, to plead guilty to all charges and not present a defense at all. Hmm. Which I don't know if that's true, but, but I, cause I only found that in one source, but.
2: Okay. That's kind of odd.
1: It's super odd. I, I don't know what led to that. Um, his lawyer said that Rob wanted to spare his family the trauma of a trial. Which I guess could that's, be true. No, that's
2: fair. I can I yeah. can get behind that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And with his guilty plea, that meant that Rob was sentenced to the mandatory sentence: life in prison without the possibility of parole. Damn. Yeah. They were both formally sentenced, and at the sen- at their formal sentencings, um, the Xantop's children made statements, and during Jim's sentencing. When, they were, when the Zantops children were making their statements, Jim was sobbing and he stood up and he said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. There's not much more I can say. I'm just really, really sorry. At Rob's sentencing, he made direct eye contact with oh, the no. Zantops children as they made their statements uh-huh. and reportedly had like this little smirk on his face. Gross. Yeah. Following their sentencing, both Rob and Jim were remanded to the New Hampshire State Prison in Concord to serve their sentences, um, but they're held in separate parts of the prison and are allowed no contact with one another. In 2012, in a landmark ruling, the U.S. Supreme Court—oh, sorry, the U.S. Supreme, Supreme Court—deemed mandatory life sentences without parole for juveniles as unconstitutional. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree, too. Um, In their decision, they said that juvenile offenders have diminished culpability and greater prospects for reform and that judges should be able to consider the mitigating qualities of youth in sentencing. Yeah. I totally agree with that.
2: Your brain's not fully formed yet.
1: Yeah. Following that ruling, the New Hampshire Mm -hmm. Supreme Court unanimously decided that the ruling should be retroactive. Wow. And in 2014, it vacated the sentences of four men who had been convicted as juveniles and sentenced to life without parole. Among them was Rob. So as of 2014, his sentence was vacated and a judge ruled that he should get a new sentencing hearing. As far as I could find the attorney general said that they intended to appeal that decision. Mm-hmm. And so far, Rob has not been resentenced. He remains in prison and a resentencing hearing has been ordered. But so far, he has not had that hearing wow. and has not been resentenced. Wow. Yeah.
3: So they, they tried him as a juvenile?
1: They tried him as an adult, but he was a juvenile when he committed the crime. He was 17.
3: But if he was tried as an adult... Why would he qualify for that? Because, because he was, was a, juvenile. a juvenile. Why not try him as a juvenile if he's literally a juvenile? Because
1: I, then if he's liter- they, they do this all the time. And I don't know what the requirements are I to be able to stupid. move something to adult court. But they, but they do this all the time. Because if he was tried as a juvenile, they would only have the ability to hold him until he's like 21. And so they commonly do this because that would only be four years. Especially if you're in like prison.
2: 17 yeah. and you do something horrible. They want to be able to keep you in prison for a long time.
1: Yeah. So Jim got life with the possibility of parole after 16 years. He got 25 to life with the possibility of parole after 16 years. And so he was not impacted by this ruling at all. Right. In May of 2019. So just a couple months ago. Jim Parker applied for early release. He has served about 18 years of his sentence. His petition for release states that he has been a model prisoner and has rehabilitated himself. He has earned his master's in science and advanced his artistic skills by painting multiple prison murals. No word yet on whether or not his release has been approved. That's the story of the Dartmouth murders. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They just wanted to make $10,000 so they could go live in Australia. They were such stupid. Well, I'm sorry, $10,000 is going to set you up to live somewhere? No. It It just shows shows how stupid stupid they
2: they were. They were stupid kids. No, no, no. They were smarter than everyone. Right. I forgot about that part. Yes. Hired assassins. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, those poor professors.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, y'all ready for this? (laughs) First of all, thank you to Lyndon for suggesting this in the Discord. Excellent. By the way, a lot of fun things happening on Patreon. We forgot to say this at the top of the show. We've got bonus episodes on Timothy McVeigh's trial. Oh, yeah. On the Playboy model who body shamed the woman in the gym. Yes. Brandy had that crazy case that made me want to throw a rock through my own window. Oh, gosh. The hammer murder? Yes. (gasps) And the Catholic Church. What was your other case you did?
1: I couldn't possibly remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Taylor Bell. The 17-year-old college student with the creepy... Oh, creepy is an
2: understatement. Creepy dude. Age gap. Ooh. I'm, I need an age gap bell
3: that oh, I can just ding. You do.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: We can make that happen.
2: <laughs> so Patreon is awesome. Um, we have in our Discord a suggestions area. And so this comes from Lyndon. This is a crazy story. I'm going to say right off the bat, this might be the most fucked up story i have ever told on this podcast whoa this this is really really bad these are bold claims i know
3: in my first episode as engineer i get to hear the most, the most fucked effed up story
2: yeah
1: um, thank you okay. for censoring yourself norm yeah
2: thank you sexy times most of this info comes from a bbc article by lucy hancock and an article from gq by justin heckert Both of the titles, if I told you it, would ruin it, but I'll save the titles for the end. Got it. Okay. Brian Stewart and Jennifer Jackson met at a military training facility in Troy, Missouri. Oh. I know. This is St. Louis suburb. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. They were both studying to be medics, and Sparks flew. Pretty soon, they moved in together, and five months later, in 1990, Jennifer became pregnant.
1: How? How? I assume through sexual intercourse, Brandy. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't. Is that how babies are made?
3: They were levers.
1: <laughs> we got to pause the podcast. <laughs> Talk about the birds and the bees. Yes,
3: let me verify.
2: <laughs> but as great as things had been for, in the very beginning, everything went bad super fast. Brian physically and verbally abused Jennifer. He made. Bleh, very specific death threats oh, against gosh. her. Um, he told her he'd kill her by injecting her with a needle full of air.! <gasps> <gasps> yeah, one horrifying day, this... I'm so sorry for this story. When Jennifer was pregnant, Brian demanded sex, and she wasn't interested, so she said no. So he stuck his entire hand into her vagina. Christian! And he said that he would ruin her for anybody else. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: After that, Brian was arrested, but the charges were dropped. Brian called Jennifer from jail and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll get help. And, you know, Jennifer's in this position. She's in this abusive relationship. She wanted her child's father to be in the child's life. Right. So she took him back. Shortly after that, Brian was sent to Saudi Arabia for Operation Desert Storm. Jennifer and Brian talked on the phone while he was away, and things seemed to get better. He seemed really excited about becoming a dad. The baby was born on... You're making a face. Yeah. The baby was born on February 24th, 1991, while Brian was still in Saudi Arabia. Okay, this part, God... So Jennifer and Brian agreed to name the baby Brian because mm-hmm. you know in case Brian didn't make it back from war, which is sweet. I mm-hmm. get it, but it's hell
1: for storytelling. So we got two Brian's in this story. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, my friend. Uh huh. Um, her son's name is Jaron, and then she's dating a guy who also happens to be named Jaron. How is that possible? Jaron is not, not a common, a common name. name. No. And so her boys have nicknamed boyfriend Jaren as Giant Jaron. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so they've got Jaren and Giant Jaron. I am shocked she found another I, Jaren. I know. I think it's nuts. Did she go yeah. did she go Googling? No, she met him at work. Okay. Wow, wow. Yeah. Checks out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know this friend. Who? It's Jenny who used to work at the tune Oh farm. yeah. Yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. From the block?
3: Jenny from the block. <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't be
2: fooled by the rocks that she's got. Okay? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So let's call them Brian and Giant Brian. Okay. That's my point.
2: <laughs> so when Brian, when Giant Brian came back from Saudi Arabia, <laughs> things were either the absolute best or the absolute worst. Yeah. Classic domestic violence situation. Either he's smashing a car windshield with his fist, like you fucking do. Oh my goodness. Or he's like opening doors for her and oh talking about the future. You know, just a great guy. He's
1: the worst kind of douchebag. I know. I know.
2: I prefer consistency over anything else. (laughs) Yeah, can't you just always be a douche? Jennifer really wanted to make their relationship work. But that wasn't in the cards because Brian was a total shithead. Yeah, And you can't make it work with someone who's abusive. So at this point, Brian starts saying things like, oh I don't really think the kid is mine you know this isn't my kid it was ridiculous it absolutely was his child Mm -hmm. eventually Jennifer left him she was like I've had enough of this I'm out so she left but she obviously needed child support Yeah, which is all very reasonable if you help bring a child into the world you have to help pay to raise it Mm -hmm. nothing controversial here but Brian didn't see it that way. In fact, just the idea of paying child support pissed him off.
1: did oh, because it didn't well, he didn't believe it was his kid, and he's a shithead.
2: uh-huh i
1: you think he believed it was his kid, yeah, yeah. Well later a court determined that it was his kid. Well yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I just mean like did he not want a relationship with this kid at all? Like I imagine he wanted um all of the above. No
2: relationship for the kid to not exist. For, oh great. Yeah, nothing. Excellent. I want nothing. No consequences to my actions, yes. please. Yes. Perfect. Just like when he sexually assaulted Jennifer and didn't want to go to prison. Yeah. You know. One day Jennifer says he told her you won't need to look me up for child support anyway because your son's not going to live that long. Oh, okay. And she said, what do you mean by that? And he said, don't worry about it. I just know that he's not going to live to see the age of five.
1: I'm sorry, what now? Now he's threatening the life of the kid? Yep. At the time, Brian was working as a phlebotomist. Oh, right.
2: You talked about Um, he used to make these super funny jokes with his coworkers about how with all the different blood that they had in the lab, he could infect someone with a deadly virus and that person wouldn't know what hit him. That's a hilarious joke. Oh, the best. Never heard one better. By this I hate this guy. Uh, he's the fucking worst. By this point Jennifer and Brian didn't have any contact. They got the paternity test, and whoa, shocking! Brian was Brian's.
1: Brian was giant Brian's. That's right.
3: Okay, hey, for our dumb viewers or listeners, uh-huh. can we say what a phlebotomist is?
2: Oh, it's basically this guy worked in a lab with a lot of blood.
1: You know, blood yeah, testing. He's specifically, the person he's a the person who draws blood. Yeah. And
3: by dumb listeners, I meant the audio engineer. Because I did not know what a phlebotomist
1: was. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. So the person
3: that takes blood samples. Yes. Yes. Okay.
2: So they're not in contact with one another, but when little Brian was 11 months old, something really scary happened. He had an asthma attack. And Jennifer rushed him to the hospital. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: At this point, she's like, okay, Brian is the child's father. I should let him know that his son is in the hospital. Mm Mm-hmm. She called Brian's work, and the coworker who answered the phone was like, uh, Brian Stewart doesn't have a kid. So Jennifer's like, oh great. Okay. okay, thanks. I appreciate it. I get it. But then, on the day that her son was scheduled to be discharged from the hospital, Brian showed up. And he brought his lab coat with him. Mm. Because he didn't want to leave it in the car, Brandy.
1: No, why?
2: Well, you don't want your coat
1: to get hot. Uh-huh. Or lonely. You need to smuggle something into the hospital. Whoa, it...
2: that's quite a charge. Brian's presence was kind of strange and unexpected, but, you know, a father showed up to visit his child in the hospital. What could possibly be wrong with that?
1: Mm. So does you, wrong... do you have a syringe full of air? He's got something.
2: Is worse than that. So Brian enters the hospital room, probably on a horse with his cape billowing in the wind, because, oh, here I am to be a father. <laughs> and he very kindly told Jennifer, hey, why don't you go down to the cafeteria, get yourself uh-uh. something to drink? No, Jennifer, don't leave him alone with the kid. D- Jennifer was thirsty and she'd been with the kid for, you know, who knows how long. So she, yeah, she goes down to the cafeteria. But when she came back, the baby was screaming. Mm -hmm. He was behaving very strangely. His breath was rapid. He was inconsolable. Jennifer called in the hospital staff, and they were, like, super confused as to what was going on. The baby was obviously very distressed for no apparent reason. Mm
1: -hmm. But what did he inject him with?
2: They got his pulse back down to normal. Mm. They got him breathing steadily. They checked his temperature. Everything seemed okay, so they sent him home. Weeks went by, and Jennifer was just sick with despair. Something was wrong with her baby. Mm -hmm. He'd been healthy before the hospital visit, but now he was just deteriorating. Mm. For the next for years. Oh my gosh. Jennifer took her child to every doctor she could find trying to figure out what was wrong with her son. No one could help her. They tested Brian for everything under the sun and it all came back negative. But the fact that he was dying was undeniable. Mhm. Over time, Jennifer and little Brian spent a lot of time with their pediatrician, Dr. Linda Steele-Green. Linda did everything she could do for this kid, but she was baffled. But in May of 1996, something clicked. She remembered that Jennifer had told her that little Brian's father had said that the boy wouldn't live long. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so one source I read said that this premonition came to her in a nightmare. Oh, my god! And, like, she woke up in the middle of the night and called the hospital. Who knows how this really happened? But the bottom line is that after a lot of thought, Linda had this weird, bad feeling because she tested this kid for everything. And finally, she's like, I think we need to test him for HIV. Oh, my gosh. They tested him. And he had full-blown AIDS. (gasps) What the fuck? I'm sorry, this is the most messed up story. This five-year-old boy had full-blown AIDS and also three other infections that just happen when your immune system is just shot. His chances of survival were minuscule. They figured he had five months to live. Jennifer was told to, like, pick out the... Five months? Yeah. Jennifer was told to pick out the outfit that he would be buried in. He'd been a ring bearer, so she was like, okay, I guess we'll put him in that little suit.
1: Holy shit. But no one
2: gave up on Brian. They gave him whatever medication they could and hoped for the best. But this whole time, they were like, how did this happen? So, this is where I have to, like, touch the mic. Yeah. Like an idiot. No, this is...
1: (laughs) Stop it. It's everybody listening. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Loud employer, I can hear you.
2: <laughs> so keep in mind, at this time, people were still really dumb about HIV and AIDS. Oh, yeah. A lot of people were not well-versed on how it could be transmitted.
1: But he probably got it from a toilet seat. Yeah, remember that? I do remember that. that was like
2: That was a thing people
1: thought. Yeah. People had
2: no idea how you could get it. So there yeah. was this assumption that, like, well, if anybody has, is HIV positive, you can't go anywhere near him, yeah. because who knows? Yeah. Luckily, Detective Kevin Wilson from the St. Charles County Sheriff's Office was no dummy. He was a detective, but he was also a paramedic. So he knew how you could get HIV. Yeah. And he'd heard Jennifer's story about how her douchebag ex was a phlebotomist who hated paying child support, and he was like, oh, boy, I think I get it. Yeah. He got blood tests from, like, 30 people who had been around the baby, and they all came back fine. hmm What had happened here was, as horrifying as it was obvious, a man who didn't want to pay child support... Had Injected his child with HIV? Yeah.
1: That's so fucked up.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. This is... This is hard... Difficult to imagine. I mean, just... Who the fuck? Right? prosecutors started building their case. Meanwhile, miraculously, little Brian started to get a bit better. And I think it's just like, okay, now they know what he has, so they can at least do what What they they know to do. But life was still so hard. By the time he was seven, he had a swollen liver, he had fungus growing under his fingernails. What?! He had, he constantly had ear infections, zero immune system. He took 23 oral medications a day. He was able to go to school part time, but a lot of kids didn't want to play with him. Which is
1: terrible, yeah.
2: And a lot of their parents didn't want the kids Mm -hmm. to play with him because, again, people had all these misconceptions about how you can contract HIV. Maybe it was from a toilet seat. Maybe from swimming at the same pool. You know, who
1: knows? Do you remember that movie? Yes. More about Ryan White?
2: Well, do you remember in fifth grade, Mrs. Harrison, Harrison.
1: read it aloud to us? Yeah. Yeah. Read us his story, and then we watched the Made for TV movie about it. How do you remember the movie? I remember the book and I like remember. about passing out. Oh, I don't know. Well, anyway, he was a hemophiliac, and so he had to get regular blood transfusions, and yeah. he- contracted hiv from a blood transfusion and then yeah nobody would be friends with him
2: yeah because everyone thought that they could catch it yeah super easily
1: yeah they like lobbied to keep him out of school and like all of this crazy stuff
2: yeah oh, poor kid yeah
1: that's what I, that's just what i'm picturing oh like, yeah that's what yeah. i was
2: picturing too yeah um Sometimes I forget that we have all these life experiences <laughs> yeah! together because like this whole time. I was picturing uh, myself in fifth grade yeah. taking notes on this book yeah. and like I was sitting next to
1: you yeah. while I did it. We were just there being long. We were new friends. friends at that point. That's weird, isn't the it? Year we became friends. No
2: Norm's looking not even touched at all. Stop touching yourself, Norm. <laughs> Norm's touched by our story. Touched by himself. <laughs>
3: Continue the story. Please.
1: Oh, wow! <laughs> wow. Quality oh. control. Oh. oh, wow.
3: Continue the story.
1: Are you going to cut out all these comments from
2: him? I might. She
3: okay. could. She's the editor still.
2: Still? Still? What's going to happen to me? She hasn't been we fired yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to inject me. We'll never s- know.
1: Oh. No one will ever find you.
3: Brandy would find you. I would.
2: Yeah. Brandy, like, this podcast would really take off because Brandy if would Kristen be like, my long term friend. <laughs> long term friend missing, is missing. <laughs> yeah.
3: Brandy would be on the case I so would hard. be. What would you do? If you went missing? Yeah. I'd probably go to Brandy. Yeah. What,
2: you'd be like, hey, Not Brandy, the pl- and then just like leave it at her doorstep, be like, bye.
3: No, I'd like Brandy F to help me find Kristen. Yeah.
2: You know what? If we I team went missing, up. Yeah. Okay. It'd be you two and my mom. Yeah. Powerhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That We'd find the shit out of you. You would. <laughs> you totally would.
2: <laughs> My dad would be in front
1: of all the TV oh, cameras. Oh, your dad
2: would be the our first, the family spokesperson. <laughs> yeah.
3: We have no leads at this time.
2: <laughs> I've nothing to say. I just wanted to be on camera again. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, guys, um Oh, the DP. DP got recognized at an event.
0: Oh,
2: no. Brandy and I had never been recognized for the podcast. You know, we we realize this is a very small podcast. We have no expectation of being recognized. My dad got recognized, and the man was
1: high as a kite. His head was huge. Already sizable, but man. (laughs) He kind of grew into that nose.
3: (laughs) Grew into his nose.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so...
2: Brian is battling just to stay alive. And meanwhile, his douchebag of a father had his own battle. A legal battle. No. Hmm. Mm. Brian Stewart's six-day trial began in 1998 in Charles County, Missouri. Okay, do you remember this case at no. all? Neither do I! And we were, like, practically right here. Yeah. The prosecution laid out a simple but horrifying argument. Brian took HIV-infected blood from work. Put it in his lab coat, and he went to the hospital where his son was staying. And when Jennifer left to go get herself a drink, he used a butterfly needle, which is like a really small needle. It's a yeah, it's a baby IV. Yeah. To inject his son with the blood. All in the hopes that little Brian would die and he wouldn't have to pay child support. Holy shit. The process
1: I mean I know I know How there are no even words come up what kind of psychopath even comes up with that plan I don't know
3: a phlebotomist <laughs> we don't need to, we
1: don't need to be accusing sh- all phlebotomists phlebotomists <laughs> phlebotomists of being psychopaths
3: I'd say it, if anyone would come up with that plan
1: it would be a, a phlebotomist good ch- phlebotomist chances are high
3: <laughs> chances are high <laughs> it's a you
1: just a <laughs> that's when you
2: do the blot test yeah The prosecution called witnesses who attested to the fact that Brian was a super douche. Yeah. His ex-wife was Elizabeth Stolte. She had two protective orders against him. She told the jury that Brian was abusive and that he'd threatened to kill her. So in other words, yeah, he's always been this charming. Yeah. Then one of Brian's friends took the stand. He said that one time when they were driving around... Brian said that if anyone ever tried to screw with him, he'd just inject them with something. Excellent. Yeah, great.
1: Little Brian's pediatrician... I guess phlebotomists don't have to take that do-no-harm oath, huh? Yeah, maybe
2: not. (laughs) (laughs) Little Brian's pediatrician also testified. She talked about the reaction that he'd had in the hospital that day when he was 11 months old. She said, looking back, the baby's reaction was consistent with a bad reaction to an infusion from incompatible blood. But, of course, at that time, she had no idea that that's what had just
1: happened. I hadn't even thought about the the problems with it not being his blood type because he just injected whatever the fuck he wanted in there. Absolutely,
2: yeah. It wasn't his blood type. And, of course, it was HIV
1: positive. Holy hell.
2: Then Jennifer took the stand to talk about her horrible relationship with Brian and also to talk about what her son had been through. She talked about how he'd threatened her son's life. And she said that when they lived together, Brian kept vials of blood in the freezer, which, like, what the fuck, dude? He was also one of those guys who would, like, wear his lab coat everywhere, which, okay, Norman and I used to live by a hospital, and every now and then you would see these guys wearing their lab coats to, like, go to Chipotle. Mm-hmm. You're like, come on, dude. Do you really need everyone to know that you're important right
1: now? Dirty John did that because he wanted people to think he was a doctor.
2: Yeah. Um, I 100% think anyone who wears their lab coat outside Mm -hmm. of their office setting is a super douche yeah and like 50 percent of them are up to something (laughs) (laughs) and it's not just ordering some barbacoa
3: i want to let everyone in chipotle know i am important
1: that's right
2: i mean that's that's what every time i see someone out i'm like oh okay can we
1: back up for a second is that what you get at chipotle Barbacoa? barbacoa
2: Yeah, every now and then it's very good. Mm. Kristen
3: loves the barbacoa. Mm.
2: What's wrong with barbacoa?
1: Mm. Too spicy for No, you? I can't eat that that mass cooked pork. What's wrong I, with mass? I'm not a big I'm pork? not a big
3: barbacoa guy either. Oh, I like the, fuck the your stomach um, up.
1: Oh, well. If you shit your pants, that's part of the Chipotle experience. 75% <laughs> chance you <laughs> ate mass cooked pork.
3: I like the steak at this
1: Chipotle. This is what you deal with <laughs> when you eat delicious <laughs> pork. I mean, I don't Actually, the sickest I've ever been, like uh-huh. food poisoning wise, was uh, from pork.
3: A mass pork?
1: Yeah, it was at the dinner eating. theater. Oh my God. Well, they had problems I with it. I know. It was before then. But yeah, oh. I had to hold a trash can while I was on the toilet. So that. Tell us more. No. <laughs> that is plenty. You were just
3: holding it for comfort? No. Yeah. It's just
1: that <laughs> violently. Coming I mean out if it could have ends. come out of my eyes it would have. <laughs> like, no, so Norm, you
2: don't you probably don't remember this. You've never been to the dinner theater. It's like a we, it's like a sixty-five plus crowd. Well, oh yeah, we have
3: we've I I am aware of the dinner theater. Okay. Never been.
2: Um they, so a couple of years ago, they had like
1: nanovirus. A, yeah.
2: So like everyone who went got horrible. Yeah, like four
1: hundred people got like crazy sick. They had to shut the place down, completely disinfect it. I think they missed a couple showings. Like way well, to bring and in a sure. whole crew. Ooh, I wonder if those people were had pork coming out their <coughs> orifices. So <you> porkifices, porkifices. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's such a dumb joke.
2: <laughs> anyway, I like pork. <laughs> I don't. I. Well, you were scared straight by pork. I some... was scared straight by
1: pork. I always became a vegetarian after that. <laughs> and Del- I don't like very many vegetables. <laughs> what would you
2: eat if you were a vegetarian? What would you be limited to?
3: Cheetos. <laughs> they are vegetarian friendly.
1: Peanut butter. Peanut butter dipped in cheetos. P- uh. <laughs> Incidentally, they are delicious together no not dipped in but you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you eat cheetos with it It that that is very good that is a delicious cheese and peanut butter crackers Kristen.
3: it is very good
1: it is a delicious combination
2: i cannot believe you two will not eat barbacoa but you want pb and j's with cheetos on the side that's disgusting
1: what yes how is that disgusting it's a delicious flavor combination if you're five. I have the palate of a five-year-old. <laughs> Jack and I, very similar food tastes. <laughs> he's six, but yes. So he's going to pass you up soon. Yeah, he will. <laughs> he's going to become way more adventurous than I am. Yeah, he'll be like. Avocado. Yeah, Brandy, Thanks. can I please have the avocado off of your sandwich? And I'll be like, oh, oh yes. Brandy
3: okay. stocked up on gogurt for herself and Jack.
1: I think gogurt is the we weirdest. We do have gogurt.
3: There you go.
2: Why? He loves it. Why it's, can't you It's have, yogurt to go. Why can't you have, like, okay, you know how much I love food to go. Even I'm not going to do a go-gurt.
1: Why the good not? thing about having a six-year-old in your life is you got go-gurts, uh-huh. you got Capri Suns, oh. and you always got chicken nugs. Why do oh, they make chicken Capri Suns so hard to get into, though? <laughs> you have to get into it for them. You can't just hand a six-year-old a Capri Sun. You, you gotta, poke the bottom. You got to the bottom Yeah, you
3: you get it from the bottom. No. no. Yeah.
1: That's a no. dirty sexual thing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, you don't try to get it in the you know the little hole where yeah, they want you want to know. poke it. Yeah. You just flip it upside down and poke what? the bottom.
1: No. What kind of sorcery sta- is this?
3: You stab the bottom. No. It's so much easier. No. You don't have to try to angle it at the top anymore. You literally flip it over, stab the bottom, that and done. That would
2: create a mess. It That's... doesn't.
3: That's what I did. We did it all the time.
1: What? Norman.
3: Homework for listeners.
1: I'm gonna go home and try it. I've got <laughs> yeah. I've got Capri Suns at my Stab house the right now. Way easier. Stab the bottom. He heard it here first. <laughs> go in from behind. Thick.
2: <laughs> so at this point, you know, Jennifer has just said, yes. He threatened my son's life. He had this blood in the freezer, like some creepy ass vampire. And then defense jumps up for cross examination, and they're like, "Okay, okay, so he threatens your son. Okay, but did he specifically say he would inject your son with HIV-positive blood? No, he
1: said he would inject him with
2: something." And she was like, "Well, no, not specifically." And the defense was like, <laughs> <I> "That's <thought> so." <laughs> Okay, I will say, for this defense, you gotta do something, and I guess, you know...
1: Grasping at straws. Yeah, yeah,
2: I mean, this is the only thing you can say, yeah. is that he never made a ve- this very specific threat. But good lord, I mean... Yeah. The prosecution showed the jury pictures of little Brian so incredibly sick... They also pointed out that all of Brian's blood samples prior to that hospital stay in 1992 showed that he had been HIV negative, which I guess they could go back and test. But the defense thought that this was all a bit much. Brian's defense attorney said, A tragedy is not a crime, and theories are not facts. Mom made an allegation, and everyone ran with it. Mm. This was all circumstantial. And frankly... Not that strong a case. How could anyone say for certain that Brian was the one who infected his son with HIV? Couldn't it have been Jennifer's sister or Jennifer's sister's friends who all used heroin? Or what if little Brian had been sexually abused? What?! Two convicted child molesters had lived with Jennifer and her son at some point over the past few years. Which I gotta say. That's not great. Too many child molesters. That's way too I have a really strict Uh, zero 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 child child molesters. Uh, One is too many. Yeah. Yeah! What in the hell? So Jennifer! So the prosecution was like, okay we tested Jennifer's sister and her friends. They're all HIV negative. So the sister did testify and was like, yes, I used heroin no, he never had access to my needles, no, you know, blah, blah, blah. And again, she was not Not HIV positive. Brian showed no physical signs of sexual abuse. He never had a blood transfusion. He never had surgery. Come on. Yeah. So then the defense argued, well, okay, maybe we were wrong about all those other theories. Let's try this one on for size. There's so much we don't know about HIV and AIDS. Maybe we don't yet know all the ways that a person can become HIV positive. Maybe Brian got this thing some other way that science hasn't even figured out yet.
1: Hmm. Okay.
2: Okay, you're making that face. I don't think that's a
1: terrible it's argument.
2: It's not at a this terrible time. argument, but. But, yeah, I mean, it's very clear what, what was going on here.
1: What if an alien <laughs> came down from space <laughs> and inserted a probe into his anus while he was sleeping? We have no way of knowing. <laughs> I mean, that is just ridiculous. It, it reminds me of the evil twin thing
2: where, like, they have somebody on, on DNA evidence. They're like, but twins. <laughs> Maybe there was a twin somewhere. We don't know. Is we this enough for reasonable doubt? We can't doubt? say
1: for certain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: strategy.
2: <laughs> the jury deliberated <laughs> for about eight hours. The prosecution's case was circumstantial, but it was good enough. Yeah. They found Brian guilty of first degree assault. No. Uh, okay.
1: That, shouldn't that be attempted that murder? Be murder? Okay. So
2: you guys are having the exact same reaction that I was. I was like, this is bullshit. Apparently first degree assault gets you more jail time than attempted murder. Oh, so they were okay. actually yeah All they're, right. they're good.
3: Right. are <clears throat> I it I'm not even saying attempted. They should charge him with murder. Well but he the didn't kid die wasn't dead yet. But yet? he's going to die.
2: Well But but you can't you can't bring those charges until you have a murder victim.
3: But if a doctor came for him and was like he will he will die from this.
1: Yeah, they still could not attempted murder. See that's I know, I agree. I think the same thing, and somebody talked about this in our Discord. I think the same thing with the case I did last week. Like, yeah, she, that was only, and he ended up getting a good sentence, but yeah. it was only attempted murder because he failed at murdering her. Yeah. He had every
2: intention of murdering her. Yeah, I think intent needs to be weighed more strongly yeah. than the actual outcome.
1: Yeah. When All right, it, so uh, this assault charge carries a higher sentence than attempted murder. Right. Okay, fine. All right. I forgive you, Kristen.
2: (laughs) When it came time for sentencing, little Brian was seven years old and on his deathbed. He was in no shape to go to court, but the court did allow him to make a statement. So he said what he wanted to say, and his mom read his statements to the jury. This was obviously very emotional. Jennifer could barely get the words out. But on behalf of her son, she told the jury, I think he shouldn't ever get out of jail. He shouldn't have done this. Why can't he say he's sorry? Oh, my gosh. I know. So, like, she reads this out. I mean, it's, it's horrible. It's emotional. And the judge just whips toward Brian the douche. And he goes, I believe that when God finally calls you, You are going to burn in hell from here to eternity, and maybe that's the only justice that will come of this when you are finally gone. My thought is that injecting a 10-month-old with the AIDS virus really puts you in the same category as a war criminal, as the worst war criminal. The maximum I can do with you is life in prison. I don't really think that's a very fair sentence, not with what your son is going to have to go through. He is going to die. We all know that. Oh. Oh,
1: my gosh.
2: Yeah. So, Brian Stewart was sentenced to life in prison. But prosecutors were ready to elevate their charges. Little Brian was going to die. And when that happened, they'd charge Brian the douche with murder. <laughs> murder. Right.
1: Know. And then what? Seek the death penalty? How do you elevate past life in prison? I don't know. And maybe at that point, you don't elevate it. But that's yeah, just yeah, what yeah. they yeah. were... At this time, Prepared they were like, to do. You know, yeah. Except... Brian didn't die. Is that what you're going to tell us? Yeah. <gasps> really?
2: Really. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh!
3: Happy ending. <gasps> um, thank God.
2: He's still alive. Oh my gosh! He's doing great. How old is he? Um, what ninety one? Uh, yeah. Born? So he's he's younger than us. Like you know, five years younger than yeah. us. Yeah. Um, six years younger than you. Okay. <laughs> all right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: He only looks five years younger than me. <laughs> um, now he's a motivational speaker. He has a charity called Hope is Vital. He's super funny and he's as healthy as he can be under the circumstances.
1: Oh my God. He
2: said, I'm as healthy as a horse, healthier than a horse. I'm beyond that. I might be slightly chunky. But I still consider myself a good athlete. That's so, awesome. <laughs> I, of course, stalked him on Instagram. Of course. Since this article where he said, I'm I'm a little chunky, but I'm still a good athlete. Dude has buffed up a little bit. He's now on keto. I mean, wow.
1: he's he died his whole life. <laughs>
3: Norm, are you feeling threatened? I, well, I'm thrilled that he survived. Yeah. But um, I was hoping for that because I was like, okay, He's a baby. When you're young, you can fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that stuff, like, way better. Mm. And I'm
1: just, I'm very thrilled.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, it's amazing. Are you all
1: concerned that Kristen has requested to follow him on Instagram? I have not requested. I just went through every photo (laughs) for the past couple of years.
3: (laughs) So, what happened to, um, to Giant Deuce Brian? Yeah,
1: Giant Brian.
2: Okay, so, first, just a little recap on Good Brian. Good Brian says that he really wants to become a father. That's his yeah. next thing that he wants to accomplish in life. He said, A dad is one of those things in life that I think I'm meant to be. I'd like to root my kids in hope. I want to give them a vision that the world is a peaceful place and that I'm always going to be there to protect them. Through bad things, great things are possible. Is he married? Uh, not from what I could tell on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. You didn't message him? So, ladies. <laughs> or dudes. I don't know. I mean, what, yeah. Whatever. Just a few years ago, Brian traveled to the Missouri Department of Corrections because his dad was up for parole.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Yep. Brian read a victim impact statement where he detailed what it was like to live with AIDS and what it was like to be so horribly betrayed by his own father. I mean, this is just unimaginable. Yeah. During the parole hearing, douchebag Brian kept referring to the good Brian as his son. And it pissed Brian off because he was like, at what point have I ever, ever been your son? son? Yeah. yeah. Was I his Tuck son right when off. he intentionally injected me with HIV? I don't think so. Good news. Brian, the super douche, was denied parole. Thank he goodness. remains in prison. Thank goodness. Uh, he'll be up for parole in 2021. Mm.
1: 2021. Um, is that different
2: than I, 2021? I, uh, 2021 sounds like I'm an alien and this is my first day on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, that is the most fucked up story I've ever told. I'm so glad that little Brian is doing well.
1: Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. That was nuts!
2: Wasn't that crazy? Who does that? That is
1: only a phlebotomist.
2: (laughs) Okay, I guess we established that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like... Messed up phlebotomist.
1: Uh, messed up Ugh. is too light. Messed yeah. up is like, oh, evil, I can't get evil it together. An evil phlebotomist. Okay. Only an evil phlebotomist would do that.
2: That's how I should title this episode. An evil, evil phlebotomist. phlebotomist. Okay. Yeah. Very good, I'm gonna change that real quick.
3: <sighs> what did you title it before?
2: A phlebotomist.
3: That's it. Yeah, stop getting a phlebot
1: <laughs> phlebotomist. You can't just call it a phlebotomist. Phlebotomist <laughs> a bad name.
3: Flip flip pop
1: hip on. Flip pop.
3: Flip pop. You can't give it all the easy ones. Phlebotomist. <laughs>
0: Norm? Yes?
1: Do you have any questions for us?
0: <laughs> do I have
3: questions for you too? Yeah, no. do you
1: wanna uh, rebut any of the things that were said about you on the last episode?
2: Have you listened to it yet? It just came out this morning. Brandy talked about how she, when she first met you she thought you were a super douche. She thought you were too cool for school.
3: I I did not know that you thought I was a douche.
1: Yeah, huh. No, <laughs> no I really
3: did I I seriously did not know that.
1: Yeah, I thought you were like, mm, whatever. I, I thought you. Th- I'm a giant YouTube celebrity. <laughs> yeah, that describes. I'm have to be at this dinner.
3: That describes me perfectly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so funny because like, I just think like you were just quiet and like, yeah. obviously that's just how it came off. You're not like that at all. No. You're no, so I'm, modest. I'm
3: just like new people. I'm shy and quiet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And we talked and then about it turns this in the out episode. that we're the same persons. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. And it turns out we were separated think, at birth.
1: <laughs> Did you think that Brandy was a super douche?
3: No, I thought Brandy was great.
2: Okay, hold on. First impression. Very first impression. What was your first impression of Brandy?
3: I thought Brandy was funny.
2: Wow. Ouch. Hmm. Hmm.
3: A little bit of a douche. Yeah. I thought I was funny. I, I can't believe you thought I. I scratched my arm to show off a tattoo.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, ugh.
3: The the simpler explanation was my arm itched and I scratched it. it, (laughs) I
1: lingered and you like brought your sleeve up real high. I will say in Brandy's defense.
3: What?
2: Well, (laughs) when you're around new people, Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this on the episode, but like, You've accomplished something pretty cool in life. You know, you've got this YouTube show that's- I
3: married Kristen Pitt. Yeah,
2: this is <laughs> It's at the top. But then when you're like super quiet and people try to ask you questions about yourself and you're really cagey, then it can come across as douchey.
1: Yeah.
3: But if I had not done any of the YouTube stuff, if I was like a phlebotomist, uh-huh. would, you, would, I, would I come across as douchey?
1: No, you would come across as shy.
3: Yeah, so yeah this, a this is
1: well yes yeah, that's it's because not. you don't because you you are reluctant to talk about your successes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which I think is great that yeah. you're modest about that. It's a really great quality. When
3: you figure
2: out why you're reluctant exactly. you're like, "Oh, this is great." But in in that first initial moment where you're like Oh, tell me about your YouTube channel, and you're like, Bleh.
3: well, you wouldn't understand. Yeah, the exactly. That's how you can understand the inner
1: workings of the YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: let me let me just uh, show you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, ju- so I just I... get completely naked. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm just going to go for a dip in the lake. Is there
1: a YouTube channel that's like The Naked Gamer? I feel like... The
3: Naked no, Gamer? No, because that would get yeah. demonetized. What if, you,
1: what if they blurred everything? It would still get demonetized. The
3: Naked Gamer?
1: Yeah. Maybe they the just...
3: concept is they play video games naked? Yeah.
2: No. no one looks good naked sitting down.
3: That'd be like... That's like the end of YouTube right there. Really? When someone comes up with a show called The Naked Gamer... I think people have run out of ideas. No hmm.
2: one no one would do that because you can't make money off of Why it. Why could couldn't you make money off of it? Because it gets demonetized. They're yeah, not going to put ads YouTube on that. YouTube
3: wouldn't allow it.
2: Even if everything's blurred. If everything
3: was blurred. Yeah, it, you'd it, no, still I,
2: get demonetized. I,
3: I, having, If it said naked in the title, YouTube might demonetize it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Which is... I guess Sorry we'll to it. come up with a new <laughs> channel idea. Well,
3: there's, there's, could there's you do actually, that on Twitch? Huh? Could you do Naked Gamer no. on Twitch? No. You cannot show... Mm. Any of that, even blurred out. Mm.
2: See, I'm they, have sorry, very, Brady. they
3: have a very strict nipple policy on Twitch. Like you even male can't nipples, even male nipples, you can't show. <laughs> you can't
2: have nipples. Yeah,
3: you have to cut them off.
2: <laughs> so you have to really decide: Do I want to do this? <laughs> How are you living now, your life,
1: sans Nipples. <laughs>
3: speaking of court cases, there is there is a <laughs> there is a uh, big case going on right now in the YouTube world. Where uh LGBT youtubers oh, yeah. Yeah. are suing mm-hmm. because they are they feel they are being discriminated against yeah. I, they definitely have a case
2: yeah well yeah because so YouTube I think understandably cracked down on what could be monetized
1: mm-hmm.
2: because you know all of a sudden these big brands that care a lot about their reputation found out their ads were on like uh crazy Nazi stuff, uh-huh. and, you know, all kinds of gross stuff. Yeah, like Coca, super radical, like
3: co- 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 Coca-Cola ads on like neo-Nazi. YouTube holy videos. hell! So YouTube, holy mo-
2: <laughs> So YouTube
3: tried, <laughs> to, Sam. tried to correct holy that, holy. <laughs> <laughs> I see
2: <laughs> And they, I, in my opinion, like they overcorrected because then they're like, okay, nothing controversial can make money, uh, and so if right. somebody posts a coming out video or something, then all of a sudden it can't be monetized. Mm. When, you, when I think that most major brands, a coming out video is not controversial. Yeah, I know.
3: Well, YouTube tries to make it easy by like incorporating it into this like robot system that's like if the title contains the word this or this or this, it cannot be monetized. And the problem when you do a blanket thing like that is, yeah, that happens.
2: I have got a case update. <gasps> it's on your case from last week. Oh. Did you know the guy from your case uh-huh. who attempted to murder yeah. his the ex girlfriend ducherson.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Did, do you know about his dad? No. Oh my God. What about his dad? His dad was recently caught in a cold case for murdering Whoa. someone like 23 years ago. Oh my gosh. Now, I've not looked up the details recently, but like when I Googled the guy's name yeah. this week, I was like, holy shit, does Brandy know this? No, I it's didn't It's crazy, okay, it. Google it now. I
1: don't remember his name.
2: Well, Hells Bells.
3: Robert Yosemite Robert Sam. Sam.
2: Robert Burton. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> What'd you pull up?
1: <laughs> LaVar
3: Burton's dad The Reading Rainbow
2: guy?
1: Yeah, his (laughs) dad's (laughs) name is Robert
3: (laughs) Oh, not LaVar Burton
1: Uh, (laughs) Terrible mistake Robert Burton 26 year old sexual assault cold case (gasps) Oh, so it wasn't a murder No Oh, so they have the same name, Robert Lee Burton. Yeah, that must have been why Robert up. and Robert Jr.
2: <sighs> well, the apple doesn't fall far from the shitty tree.
1: I guess not. Holy crap, this is interesting. Yeah, it says uh 26 years ago, he assaulted a 37-year-old woman. Wow, right? Oh my gosh. <gasps> that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, the sh- you're right. The shitty apple doesn't fall far from the shitty tree. Thank you. I made that up. Thank you. <laughs> um a a little blurb came up that it has nothing to do with this case, but uh reminds me of something. What's up? So, you know my spider case that I covered? Yes. Did you hear what recently happened to someone in the Kansas City metro area what happened so that's case the how the spider house was specifically right. about brown recluse spiders and we yes. talked about how that case happened in St. Louis and they're just there are tons of brown recluse spiders here in, yeah. the, in the Midwest a woman went to her doctor because she thought she had water in her ear and no oh God. she like just had that constant like whooshing sound like oh, so she With went to her spiders? doctor there was a brown recluse spider in her ear Kristen. Oh my god dime size so it had to be like a. Oh. a it was a juvenile and mm. they pulled it out oh. of her fucking ear canal oh, fuck no i i'm gonna and it happened here in kansas city i'm gonna sleep with earmuffs on now yeah somebody posted about it in the discord and i was oh, like god. well uh, fuck my life. Like Usually that stuff, you can be like, well, that happened in a far off land. That could never <laughs> exist. Like, no, that happened right fucking here. You want to take a nap on my couch? No!
3: <laughs> Is that why you pointed out that spider earlier on our porch?
1: Yeah. I, I'm seeing him everywhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
3: It looked right at Brandy. It did. It
1: looked right at her.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it made this weird... <laughs> Sexual move.
1: (laughs)
2: Sexual. I think it was a black widow. (laughs) Black Widow. Gonna love ya. (laughs) (laughs) All right, should we wrap this up? Yeah, we what do you got? Some inductions to do? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Please remember, folks, we are doing names and least favorite words, which is I think is my favorite thing we've done so far.
1: where is my induction list? Why don't you pull it up on your computer, of course, I can't admit to you that I don't know how to do that.
2: <laughs> I have always wondered why you always pull it up on your phone. On my computer. What do you mean? Get into your Google Drive and search Supreme Court inductions. <laughs> do you not know how to get into your Google Drive?
1: <laughs> what?
3: What's what?
1: I I didn't know that that's how you did it. I do know how to get into my crystal right? <laughs> How did you think I did
2: it? Oh boy. I'm keeping all of this in. <laughs> no, you it! Hey look,
1: there it is
2: Wait, where did you go on your phone to find them? I have a Google Docs app on my phone, but you didn't make the connection that you could. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: It, 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 in Brandy's defense, <laughs> it can be a little confusing because all the yeah,
2: docs—eighty-five—all
3: the docs are stored in Google Drive. Yeah, and sometimes people think they're different things, but yeah.
1: Anyway, I'm
3: just defending my twin.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, that's embarrassing.
3: But yeah, definitely pull it up on your laptop.
1: I I got it now. Do you? Yeah, see, I'm right here. (laughs) Guys, thank you for joining us for this week's (laughs) Supreme. But. Inductions. Did you already tell them how to get Oops. inducted? Sorry. Kristen? No, I didn't, but I did bump the mic. I how think about you that? just picked out one of your eyebrow oh hairs, too. What did you just do?
2: You guys. You, there's only three hairs there, Chrissy. <laughs> I got my eyebrows waxed, and the lady took up. I mean, she <laughs> she chopped off the top of my eyebrows, <laughs> and then she put the wax onto my eyelids and burned my eyelids. <laughs> I look ridiculous You right look now. like
3: Denise from SNL. Oh! <laughs> and I. i'm just kidding
1: do i do look terrible (laughs) you don't look terrible they're just thin they're just way thinner than you normally wear them it's like 2006 in here do i look as young as i looked in 2006 oh oh. (laughs) your hesitation says it all hey quick question before we get to our inductions did you wear that red dress to your anniversary dinner is that what that was from No, that was from um, like a month ago when we were. Oh, you looked super cute. I loved that dress. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Are you complimenting me now that. Yeah. Okay. I thought about, you know, a time when your eyebrows didn't look like. that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm kidding. Mm. I honestly wouldn't have noticed your eyebrows without you pointing them out. Well, and here's the embarrassing thing. I do
2: have stuff in them to thicken them up a bit. But I didn't want to overdo it because you always yeah, see, you, you know, know just, just Sharpie sure, on. Yeah.
1: Kristen. Yes. Enough of this chit-chat about your eyebrows, your early 2000s eyebrows. For lack thereof. Tell the people how to get inducted.
2: Okay. You might be thinking, how the hell do I support this wonderful podcast when I'm not an owner of Blue Apron or Audible? There's a way. <laughs> Go to patreon.com backslash If you join us at the Supreme Court level, which is only $7 a month, you get to listen to bonus episodes, you can join our Discord and talk to us, talk to the community, you get inducted, and you get a sticker. What? And you get our autograph, which... That's
1: right. Right now, value $0, but it can only go up. It can only go up from there, right? (laughs) All right, uh, for this week's inductions, I would like everybody to Mm -hmm. um, cover their eyebrows in solidarity (laughs) with Kristen. Summer. Gastronomy Walter Sloan Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Cause it really is Quite atrocious <laughs> I couldn't disagree more Walter Mary Poppins is my favorite movie
3: mm-hmm.
1: Robin Wake Literally Tina Egan Oh hey Tina <laughs> uh, Snot which is Super close to my least favorite word Which is mucus Mucus. <laughs> Kim Earl. <gasps> hey girl, hey. That's my friend. Um, oh, is this the everyone I who guess knows, knows inductions? Um panties, which I actually knew this we had a, I just saw her the other day. We had a whole conversation about which
2: this. Which this I think is my least favorite word. And I hate this word. Jessica Weiner. Or I'm sorry, Jessica Winer. <laughs>
1: Hey, 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 it's spelled Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> she literally put oh, no. <laughs> the pronunciation right there. No.
3: It. no.
1: Okay, you do <laughs> Wiener
3: Quit trolling your audience, Kristen.
1: I'm so sorry, Jessica. Jessica Weiner. Jessica Weiner. Sorry, Jessica. And her least favorite <laughs> is crotch. That <laughs> know the
2: irony? Perfect. Helena.
1: Spunk. Ew. Ugh. Spunk? Yeah. That means splooge. (laughs) Yeah, we know. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) Brandy. Tell us more. (laughs) Maya Cuellar. I've never liked the word serotonin because I've never had any. Ah! (laughs) I like that. Malachi Smith. Irregardless, oh, which is
2: not a word. I hate it. When people I hate use it. when people
1: say that. You're every, right,
2: Malachi. Every time they say it, I'm like, all right, dummy. Yeah. Cindy, Hannah, Chilmo. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy, I totally get you.
3: <laughs> Chilmo. Chilmo. That's like when you want to like relax at home, right?
2: No, no. That's when you're wanting to say child molester, but you don't have the time. Yeah. Chilmo. Chill,
3: oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
2: I say this all the time. Do you? Chilmo. Chilmo
3: is child molester?
2: Yeah. Yeah, instead of child molester, I sometimes say Chilmo. You know, it's Chilmo. like Fro-Yo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Oh, now I get it.
2: So, like, you could say that Chilmo's hanging out in front of the Froyo shop trying to get some kids. Gotcha. Sophie Myers. Emasculate. Ooh. Welcome
1: to, to the Supreme Court. Court! It was fun. That was fun. I enjoy these. Hey, guys, thank you for all of your support. Those of you who are already supporting us through Patreon. Um, If you're looking for other ways that you could support us, find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on Reddit. We're on Patreon. Uh, You know, find us all those places. And then when you've done that, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review.
3: Don't forget the two assignments we've given our listeners. Uh, guess how much the margarita pitcher was. Oh, that's right. And uh, buy a Capri Sun and... Poke it in the butt. Poke it in the butt (laughs) instead of the top.
1: Okay. And once you've done all that, be
2: sure to (laughs) join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast Podcast adjourned. adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary.
1: And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts, for this episode, I got my info from
2: a BBC News article, Brian Jackson, My Father Injected Me with HIV by Lucy Hancock, an article from GQ Magazine by Justin Heckert called A Positive Life, How a Son Survived Being Injected with HIV by His Father, as well as articles from the New York Times, CNN, and Wikipedia.
1: And I got my info from an article for the Crime Library by Denise Snow, People Magazine, the Boston Globe, the Dartmouth, and Wikipedia. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are of course ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff.